Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is good, everybody? It is Friday, so you are watching the Gold Diggers podcast here on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Carrera, alongside Michelle Maju. What's up, Michelle? Hey, hey. Terrible game last week. I actually just got a chance to watch it fully with great detail this morning. So, like, I was working during the game. I had my Mm -hmm. eye on it, and I just figured the whole time, like, they're going to come back. They're going to win. Like, obviously, they're not going to let P.J. Walker beat them like that can't possibly happen like really really they had to lose against the browns you couldn't even do me a solid as a steelers fan come on that was your text to me i know you were very upset it was rough all around Uh, i want to get your take on that having just watched it because i was taking a deep dive for probably like the third time just this morning I, i really didn't think it was as bad as everyone's making it out to be like there was a lot of lucky plays for the Browns, a lot of lucky calls there at the end. They were just ridiculous yeah. calls by the refs. And I also didn't think Brock Purdy looked as bad as everyone was saying he did. It, oh, it wasn't his best game. Dunk. No. First half was completely fine, in my opinion. I thought he looked just like himself in the first half. Obviously, in the second half, he was not able to handle the wet ball. So, like, they need the playoffs to run through – like San Francisco, because if they have to travel out, if it goes through Philadelphia, that's going to be an issue because clearly the weather affects the 49ers like no other rain affects the 49ers like no other. So that is something I'm a little bit worried about. I think Brock stunk. I thought it was his worst game. I thought he stunk during the game. I thought he stunk. The Browns are a really, really good defense. Yeah, well, the Browns defense didn't make Brock Purdy miss a wide-ass open Christian McCaffrey for a touchdown. Did they? But they also didn't make Brandon Ayuk drop a great ball by yeah, Purdy, see, and no one's is, no one's blaming that. This is what 49er fans do. This guy didn't have a good game. Oh yeah, but what about this one play? Every yeah, this quarterback what? has bad passes throughout games. Even Patrick Mahomes has bad passes. We just expect Brock Purdy to be perfect on everything. That was a bad pass. I will say that right now to Christian McCaffrey. That was a bad miss. Horrible sure. miss. Horrible. That, you cannot just say that loss was on him. I mean, Brandon Ayuk was pretty bad in this game. Besides that one play at the end, which set them up for the field goal, like. That was great. He did good after that, but it did feel like Brandon Ayuk was not giving it his all until that play. Nobody looked like they were giving it their all. And that was one thing I wanted to get into. They just, honestly, they look like they thought they were going to show up and win. When you go back and watch, they just, 
the perimeter blocking, finishing blocks. Like there's a, a run to McCaffrey where he could break it for a touchdown. Juice has to finish his block and he doesn't do it. He just doesn't finish it. The guy breaks off and makes a shoestring tackle on Christian McCaffrey. Crisp little things like that. They were not on it on Sunday. And I think it was, you know, I think it was one, they thought they were going to dominate PJ Walker and two, they had won 15 straight games in the regular season. And I don't care what anybody says. You don't approach games the same following a win and following a loss. You just don't watch how they come out Monday. I bet you on Monday, they are going to come out and tear the hell out of the Vikings. And oh, it's- yeah, they're going to be angry. And I'm sure with PJ Walker starting, I mean, they did. I mean, they had two great interceptions, right? And they brought them down and those are where the scores came from. So I don't, it's not even like, I think they so much overlooked them. It's just, it was one of those games. And I talk about this. This is why I get worried as we get closer to the postseason. That's what I was getting worried about last year. They didn't ever have one of those games where the ball just wasn't bouncing their way. I feel like that was happening in this game with the calls not going their way or just like Amari Cooper coming down with that catch insane catch on the sideline. Like those are all just like, they, they played that perfectly on defense. I mean, you can't really ask for much better play. It just got lucky. He caught, it was a great play by Amari Cooper that those refs, man, though, they really handed the bronze, the game there at the end. Well, it certainly didn't help. That's for sure. I would have liked to see the Browns have to convert a fourth and 10 with the game on the line. That would have been very, very nice to see. Unfortunately, they called a bogus 15 yarder on Tashawn Gibson. Poor Tashawn Gibson did absolutely nothing wrong. Anyway, I just, they were not sharp at all against Cleveland. It was to me, it was, and even some of Shanahan's calls. I mean, Jim Schwartz owns Kyle Shanahan. Let's, let's say with that what it is. He's nine and one now against Kyle Shanahan. It was hard to watch on all levels, but, and I think everybody's just going to be sharper on Monday. I think they're going to come out. They're going to attack the hell out of Kirk cousins. I think you're going to see this defensive line get after it. I think you're going to see, especially if Greenlaw is back, the violence on defense is going to be, I think they're going to hit the hell out of the Vikings on Monday. I just think it's going to be the 49ers that we've come to expect. Yeah. So there's actually been 13 teams prior to the 49ers to have a win streak of 15 plus games in NFL history. And only one of those teams ended up losing again in back-to-back games after breaking their streak. Ooh. It was the 2009 Colts. They started the season 14-0. and They lost in week 17. Or they lost in week 16 for their first game and then also lost in week 17. But they pulled their starters pretty early in that game. Okay. So that's the only team that lost in back-to-back games after breaking their streak. So normally, you know, from history, it tells us that the team's going to bounce back and be just fine. I hope so. I'm certainly excited for it. Um, I talked with Paul Allen yesterday who does the radio play-by-play for the Vikings. He's the best play-by-play guy in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, he was trying to sell me on the idea that, you know, this Vikings team is number one, not as bad as they looked, that Kirk Cousins is not as bad as he has looked lately. That's not what I want to see. I want to see utter destruction on Monday night. You're better than the Vikings for sure. Your defense is set up to stop a quarterback like Kirk Cousins. I don't want to see 19 points for the Vikings on Monday. Forget that. I want to see like 10 points for the Vikings, especially with Justin Jefferson out. And I want to see this offense roll. I don't want to see misses on guys that are wide ass open. I don't want to see receivers dropping balls that hit him in the hands 30 yards down the field. All right. I don't want to see George Kittle with one catch for one yard. I want to see the cow, the, the Niners that we saw in the Cowboys game on Sunday Night football. That's what I want to see. That's my expectation for Monday. 
Yeah, I don't really know how they're going to move the ball all that much without Justin Jefferson there. I, we saw Kirk Cousins in that offense really struggle against the Chicago Bears last week. They don't really have a run game with Alexander Madison. I mean, he does all he it's not like he looks bad as a rusher, but they don't run all that much. They haven't scored a rushing touchdown all season long, actually. Not what? a single rushing touchdown. Yeah, the Vikings <laughs> haven't. Pretty wild. But so it's all on Kirk Cousins' shoulders, and he's gonna make mistakes. It's on prime time, and Kirk Cousins on Monday Night Football, two and ten record, <laughs> two and ten. That's actually the worst uh, in NFL history among all quarterbacks with ten plus starts. So, in the two games he did win, it was they're both against the Bears, and their defense allowed just nine and thirteen points. So, like he didn't really have to do anything at all to win those games. We know the 49ers are going going to put up points against. This Vikings defense, they're not a strong defense. It's going to be fine. I am, you know, Christian McCaffrey. Do you think he plays this week? I hope not, to be honest with you. Like Shanahan is like, oh, the MRI, which is encouraging. It's not a rib injury. It's an oblique injury. Sure, it's not a rib injury. Like I'm not buying anything that they're selling with Christian McCaffrey. There's no need to play him this week. You have Elijah Mitchell. He's a damn good player. You have Jordan Mason. He is a very good player. Use them. Um, and as in that vein, by the way, David Wentling has a fantasy question for you, Michelle. Elijah Mitchell or Madison? Who do you go with in this game? Well, what's nice is that they're in the same game. So if you're deciding between these two, you can wait to see if Christian McCaffrey's True. in or out. If CMC's out, I'm going with Mitchell for sure. I think he'll be the lead back for the 49ers, and I want that. But if CMC's even active, even if he's going to be limited, I still want to go the Alexander Madison route. He's been getting targets. Like, I don't think he's going to do much on the ground, but Madison should get targets. Yet to score a rushing touchdown, but uh, maybe it comes in this game. Talking head, thank you very much for the super chat. The Vikings have lost almost all of their games by one score or less. Another loss is always possible. No one believed it with the Browns. Stay humble. And that's what I think this loss to the Browns is going to do for the 49ers. I think it is going to humble them a little bit. Like, perfect example. Nick Bosa was talking this week, and he said, I forgot what the schedule is like when we lose, because that's how long it had been. Like their their literal, their schedule, their meeting schedule, all that stuff is different after a loss versus after a win. He forgot what to do. That's how long it has been. So I think they are going to be humbled a little bit. I think it's going to be like a reset, like a refresh. And I think they're going to come out and smash the Vikings. I really do. And this uh, talking head said that most of their games by one score or less, if they lost most of them, it's actually been... The Vikings, each of their six games this season has been decided by one score. And we saw that a lot last year. So yep. they always keep games close. Now the 49ers have only had six games decided by one possession uh, since the start of last year, which is the fewest in the NFL. So very two different types so, of teams. Here. Say that again. Like, that's insane. That 49ers part of that. Six games decided by one possession since the start of last season. Fewest in the NFL. The whole league is set up to have every game be one possession. That's really what they want. And the Vikings already have six games this year decided by one possession. And the 49ers only have six since the start of last year. That's ridiculous. That's how good they have been. They're not just beating teams. They are smashing teams in a whole league designed for the complete opposite of that. It's just that we have to, you know, put that into perspective. Kurt Chameleon says redemption week. I totally agree. Um, I would not play McCaffrey. You have Elijah Mitchell. You know I love Jordan Mason. I know you hate Jordan Mason's guts. You think he's terrible. You think he's I the worst player. I don't hate Jordan Mason's guts. I think he's just a guy. 
That's all. That's all I'm saying. He's averaging like six yards per carry for his career. Oh my gosh. Because he gets two touches his whole career. That touchdown was nothing special. He had to just fly in the air. Like, come on. The blocking was perfect. All of his good runs don't count. That's fine. You don't like Jordan Mason. It sounds like they would favor Elijah Mitchell over Jordan Mason. If, If you're wondering that for the 49ers, Kyle reiterated his faith in Elijah Mitchell. Problem is, we don't even know if Elijah Mitchell can make it out of the first quarter healthy. The dude is always hurt. He got hurt this year in practice and basically hasn't played. Like, so you can't depend on him. At least Jordan Mason can actually play. What I will say, the the, the offense, I think if they had Christian McCaffrey for that fourth quarter, they would have pulled it out and won the game, right? But also, well, I mean, I guess they did. They this is I have so many things about that game. And um But this is what I want to say about Christian McCaffrey really quick. I am shocked about how much of the team scrimmage yards he has. So he's made up 32% of the team scrimmage yards this season. Only Jamar Chase has made up more for his team. So most among all running backs. I'm just surprised with a team so filled with so many weapons that he would make up such a high percentage of team scrimmage yards. You're not wrong. I think all of us are kind of amazed by that. And Kyle this week was asked about Christian McCaffrey because somebody said like he's on pace to have more than 400 touches this season. And Kyle Shanahan's direct quote was, I'm happy with how Christian McCaffrey is being used. Like, okay, you might be happy with it, but is it the best way to go? I don't think so. And like Grant is saying that Kyle got Christian McCaffrey hurt. I'm not going to say that, but I am going to say like, you probably don't need to go to him as much as you do. And in in Kyle's defense, some of the times Christian McCaffrey gets the ball, he's not the first read. But Brock defaults, I think, to Christian McCaffrey a little bit because every time he does, McCaffrey gains five yards. So I, I'm not putting it totally on Kyle, but like you can see the touches for McCaffrey. We know high volume of touches is not good. We know how important Christian McCaffrey is to this offense. And you have so many other options. There's just no need for him to touch the ball 400 times this year. No, there's not. And the first time they have to travel, he already gets the injury. This is what I'm worried about. The traveling and the injuries and the workload being too high. Uh, I will say like Brock Purdy splits with and without Christian McCaffrey on the field. It's been small. He's only had to have 69 career dropbacks without McCaffrey on the field. And they're pretty significant splits. I mean, his completion percentage drops all the way from 68.5 to 61.7. Two of his five career interceptions have come with Christian McCaffrey off the field. Again, that's only 69 dropbacks and way more dropbacks with him. So it's kind of crazy. And then his sack percentage almost doubles, like the amount of sacks he takes with CMC off and CMC on. So it's something to keep an eye on, but they should be able to beat the Vikings with George Kittle and with Brandon. You you shouldn't need all of your top tier weapons to beat a team like the Vikings. And that's what I don't want to hear during the game on Monday. Well, if Debo doesn't play, well, Debo's out. Well, Christian McCaffrey's out. Like, I don't care. Even the guys you have now are better than a lot of teams' offenses when they have all their people. So I don't want to hear that. JJ00 watching on my Twitch page says it's hard not to give him the ball when he's so ridiculously effective almost every time he touches it. Exactly. That's the entire, it's so tempting with McCaffrey. Sometimes I think it's too hard to resist. But you have to remember you want that in the playoffs and you need right. to keep him healthy. Someone did ask what I'm drinking and it's yes. a um, iced coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. Ooh, that's it? Just yeah. a regular, nothing uh, nothing Irish about that coffee? No, not, not yet. That'll start later. All right. Well, that's a little disappointing. We like when we get spicy as the podcast goes along. 
Um, I'm not drinking. I haven't had a single thing today to eat. I'm starving. I literally ordered food to be delivered right before we hit the button. That's how far behind in, in my day I am. Um, but your point about Brock is a really good one. I love that you dug those numbers up. We haven't seen him without Christian McCaffrey really ever. And if so, if McCaffrey doesn't play in this game, it will be nice to get that look at him. Because I do think that, I don't think that everybody's going to play for the Niners. I don't think that Trent and Debo and McCaffrey, I don't think everybody's going to be in the pool for this game. So I want to see Brock step it up a little bit. You know, you're not at full strength. You're coming off a loss. I don't want to call it adversity because they're five and one. But now is the time when you need a little something extra from your quarterback. And and look, everyone's calling Brock a system guy. And he's pushed back against that a little bit. And the Niners have pushed back. Show us. Show us that you're not. Show us that you can elevate the guys around you. Because for so long in San Francisco, we have had the reverse. We have had a quarterback that is elevated by everyone else around him. Let's see it, Brock. Pick up the rest of the guys around you. Go out against Minnesota on the road and carry it a little bit. I want to see that. I was, He got them into position to win the game. They should have won the game. So I don't want to crap on Purdy too hard. And I think he'll be fine, even if these guys have to miss in this game. My thing is I hated Kyle Shanahan's decision to kneel the ball there and just say 41 yards is fine. Like that's not a give me field goal. And you have a good run offense. There is no reason to not try to run to get a couple more yards. And guess what? That couple more yards was the difference of him making it or missing it. I mean, it was just by this much, right? So I, I just, I, at the time when he did it, I thought, what in the world, why is Kyle Shanahan doing this? Like run, try to get a few more yards. What are you doing? Why would you just say, now nah, we're good. We're just going to take this. I can't that bothered believe, the crap out of me. I can't believe so many people have had this criticism. I don't understand it at all. First of all, Cleveland has been dominating the line of scrimmage. Because it's raining, it's gross there. You have a kicker that already missed earlier in the game. You have a rookie that's going to be nervous as hell kicking a game winner. And you're just like, yeah, we're just going to make him. We're not going to. There's no reason not to try for a few more yards. If you can't trust your running back not to fumble ball, tell him to put two hands over that ball and get you a couple more yards. Or even do a Brock Purdy just uh, um, a, a sneak to get a couple more yards. Like, I do feel like just getting that 39 yards would have you know, get to where it's only a 39 kick right there. It probably already goes in. I think that's crazy. First of all, Kyle doesn't know that Jake Moody's only going to miss the field goal by, you know, one or two yards. You know, you like have to assume any yards. yardage that you get is also, easier. If you Kyle said, and I agree with this, if it was a bad snap, they wanted the option to spike the ball so they could do it again. It is raining. The ball is slippery. The possibility of a bad snap is a real thing. If you run another play, you can't do that because then you're kicking the field goal on fourth down. So I just think that just make the kick. It's a 41. How many times kick. have we ever seen there be a bad snap and then someone tries again? How many times like did you guys miss a 41-yard field? It's a 41-yarder. It's barely over an extra point. Make the damn kick. A lot of times kickers miss a 40-yard field goal. I mean, that I, happens a lot. I don't put it on. It's insane. You can't. It's right down the pipe, right? It's not even like, oh, it's a weird angle. It's right down the pipe. Kick the ball through the field goal post. But a lot of people... You know, I feel like when they lose, we go back and we find people to blame. It's like, no, the guy. I was blaming it before he even missed it. I hated that decision in real time. And I said, what is he doing now? I still thought he was going to make it. But I said, this is stupid. And I said it out loud to Kate. Like I was annoyed by Kyle Shanahan. I was like, why would he not at least try to get a few more yards? Like that makes no sense to me. So I said it before they even missed. I didn't try to go back and find reasons to hate. I hated it at the time. 
I, I hate a lot of things Kyle Shanahan decides to do. To me, I thought that was really nitpicky. Like, it's a 41-yard kick. It's like a free throw. Just just make it. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, okay, oh, but if you could have a free throw or you can have a layup, which one would you rather have? If you had the chance to get it closer to the basket, you would rather be closer to the basket. That's like uh, a team being like, no, nah, we'll just shoot it from further away. We don't two more it. yards doesn't make it a layup kick. Like, it's a layup kick anyway. I'm just it's, saying anything closer is easier. He should still be able to make a 41-yard kick. Saying he's not supposed to be able to make it. So yes, it's absurd. Should. It's absurd. If he's expected to make it from 39, the expectation is exactly the same that he's expected to make it from 41. You're not like, oh, my God, it's so much different now. But why wouldn't you at least try to make it closer? Because they, you know, he, they could have broken off down. a run. Like, if you try to run it, how do you know it's only two yards? He could have broken off a run. They wanted to kick it on third down. Whatever. Whatever. See, that's what losses do to us. We're fighting. I don't want to fight on the show. I want to. I want to be nice on the show. It's a Friday. I'm in a good mood. I did a good interview with Paul Allen. I'm excited because I think they're going to win on Monday night. We're going to get back to our winning ways. Do you like Monday night games? Hate them. I hate them. I hate not having my team play on Sunday. Hate it. Oh, you got to watch everybody else play on Sunday, and you're just sitting around waiting. I don't like it. From a from a you know very selfish standpoint i hate when they play late in prime time because i'm up till like three o'clock in the morning doing all the stuff for the for the pod and the youtube channel and all that writing the grades for the website so it's very like it's it's tough i know no one cares about that and you shouldn't care about that but i'm just saying selfishly give me those 1 p.m starts like last league was perfect for me yeah, I, I hate a yeah i hate prime time games for my team because then also all the pressure i know like we shouldn't feel pressure on our team, like in prime time, but you just worry about the world seeing your team on prime time <laughs> and it like causes you more stress. Like you're worried about how they're going to uh, perform. Luckily, the 49ers typically do great in prime time. They actually have the longest active winning streak in prime time right now with six straight games. Ooh. They can tie their longest prime time winning streak in franchise history with seven. Uh, so they're pretty good. Pretty good. I like that. Aaron Rodriguez says, Rob, you're more stubborn than Kyle. That is the most true statement that has ever been made. I'm one of the most stubborn humans ever. Red Eye says, remember the Vikings lost games by under seven points always goes down to the last drive. Don't say sit this player, sit that player. That's a fair point. If you want to say like the Vikings are better than people think. Okay. But I just think that the talent that's going to be out there, you should still be able to smash this team. You should, man. But we'll see. I like you can't tell me that. Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle are any like those two are any worse than having Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson. Right. Like, that's, that's who they have right now. It's not like they have Justin Jefferson. And I don't think Elijah Mitchell and Jordan Mason are worse than Alexander Madison and Cam Akers. Like the, the talent on offense is still equivalent. And then the defense, the talent on defense is so much better than the Vikings defense. So they're still the much more talented team. They shouldn't need to also have CMC and Debo like, and like, I think Trent Williams might be the most important one to have. Trent had a, I mean, he, listen, he was gutting through an ankle injury. He was in a yeah, walking boot after the game, but Trent was getting shoved around out there. Even before the ankle injury, he was getting shoved. Miles Garrett is a monster. So, you know, that's going to happen. But uh, zero sacks again. Shocker. For what? Miles Garrett? Yeah. <laughs> you hate Miles Garrett. He never comes through with the sacks. He's really good at pressuring, but he can't get a damn sack. Uh, Mark says Kittle loves primetime games. You know me. I'm screaming about Kittle and his usage. Just a perfect opportunity, Kyle, to dial some stuff up. Let's see it. 
Um, and hopefully he will. Although Kyle's why didn't he get any reset? Like, why wasn't he used in the fourth quarter? I don't know because they keep trying to use him to pass block, but like it doesn't help with that much with the protection anyway. I would rather have Kittle running a route so that Purdy could just get rid of it quickly because yeah. it's not like Kittle is running 50 yards down the field. He's running short routes anyway because they want to get the ball in his hands as fast as possible. To me, the Kittle pass blocking thing is way like Kyle loves it. He loves to use him as a pass blocker, use him as a friggin' receiver. They definitely need to use him more in this game because even if CMC is active, they better not try to get him 20 touches. Like, they, you know they will. It's, it should be 10 to 12 touches max. Utilize him in the biggest situations where you really need him to make a play for you. And if they get a lead, get him out of the game. Like right now you have to – I know it's all pain management. Sure. I don't know. That whole thing was weird to me how he had the MRI on Monday and like nothing – like there was like no news for days because they were like, Oh, he's getting the MRI during the media session. We don't, that's what I mean. The whole thing is sketchy there. I think he's way more hurt than they're saying. Yeah. The fact that he tried to come in, if it was the fact he tried to play through it and just was like, nah, I can't do it. And you would think you would only get more sore as your adrenaline has gone, gone away. So yeah, we'll see. I, I think I'm with you. I think they need to let him rest up because I know how important he is to this team yes. and what, what he can do, but you need him for the playoffs. That's when you need him. And just bottom line, if your quarterback is quote unquote, the real deal, like Kyle Shanahan has said about Brock Purdy, you should be, this is a game you should be able to win without him. Your quarterback should elevate the talent around, you. especially when you have the scheme that Kyle has. If your quarterback is somebody that can elevate people around him, you shouldn't need Christian McCaffrey for this game. That's the bottom line to me. And we'll see. But I, I think that if he plays, he's getting the 20 touches. Kyle doesn't do like load management during games. You know he doesn't. But with Elijah Mitchell and Jordan Mason, you have capable guys. Like I, I know I hate on Jordan Mason. He's capable. I'm just saying he's not like everyone thinks he's like fantastic. He's capable. He's just a guy. He's capable. But you have Elijah Mitchell there who could still break off runs. It's not like you're just going to get this plotter type guy. No, you also absolutely. have Elijah Mitchell who can burst out and create those big plays. He can be used. I know they don't love to use him as a pass catcher as much as he's not nearly. I mean, he's nowhere near what Christian McCaffrey can do as a receiver, but you can still do checkdowns to Elijah Mitchell and he can still create plays with space. Like figure it out. You, you got other options. Let's get into some best bets for the week. You have three best bets for us. I have a couple as well. Give me your fastball best bet for week seven. All right. It's different. It's not a player prop. It's 49ers will have a lead at the end of the first quarter because they have Ooh. a minus 0.5 point spread. So they just have to be up by one point. They just have to have a lead. And the 49ers have had a lead at the end of the first quarter in five of their six games. They've been up by at least four points in all five of those games that they had the lead. The Vikings have been trailing after the first quarter in five of their six games. Minnesota has scored a total of six points in the first quarter this year. The 49ers have scored a total of 41 points in the first quarter this year. So they're outscoring them 41 to six in the first quarter this season. I like this bet. I love this bet. That's an, that's amazing. That is so good. How many, I mean, pretty much every time this year, the 49ers have gone down the field and scored on the opening drive, either a field goal or a touchdown. They have the most op points on the opening drive of any team in the league. And it could be a thing where they score on the first drive and then don't score again for the rest of the first quarter. But I think that might be enough in this one to, to win this bet. So I absolutely love it by you. I'm going to go as soon as the show ends. I'm racing to go place that bet. That is fantastic. 
Yeah, I'm like I'm over these player prop bets. So I do player prop bets for the locked on. I do a locked on podcast, and I'm hitting those right. It's uh, the rest of the league is a little bit easier. I can't seem to understand who Kyle Shanahan's going to use or not use in any, any given game, or when right. their defense is going to show up or not show up against certain positions. It's driving me crazy. It's very hard to tell. Uh, so I, I kind of went different routes this week. Well, I think that's a smart way to go. I'm on board with that. And that that could be a bet, honestly, that you bet every week. I wouldn't be a, like when they're especially if they're playing a team like the Vikings, who are not as talented and are missing their best offensive threat. Like I would smash that. I absolutely love that. So thank you for that. Hopefully you're going to make me some money. Jimmy Kwan. Thanks for the super chat. Under pressure, Kyle reverts to Henry Winkler, the coach from the water boy. A Super Bowl win will happen when Kyle comes full circle as a coach, period. I do, and I've said this, I think that Kyle does react in a close game. He clenches up a little bit. He gets a little nervous. I think he gets overly conservative. I think he sort of factors. And he overthinks it, like not running when you have another play to run. I think he just like, he just gets nervous about like what's happening out there. And he's like, oh, I don't know. He thinks he's like being so smart about it, but I think he, he just gets in his own head to be honest with you. Like sometimes you just got to look at it and be like, we're the way more freaking talented team. Let's go for it. Let's put it, the game in the hands of my players, have a little faith. And he doesn't always do that. I think he tries to like win the game with his calls sometimes or his decisions. And it's like, no, let the players will handle it, but it can be frustrating. But like you said earlier, like the Niners are usually winning by multiple scores. So it hasn't really come back to bite him too much. All right. Best bet. Number two. All right, I'm going with uh, Daniil Hunter over. They only have a 0.25 sack, so he only needs a half a sack. Right now, he's tied for the NFL lead with eight sacks this season. He's tied with TJ Watt. Woo-woo. He has one plus sack in five or six games. You have Trent Williams dealing with an injury. We know the rest of this line isn't elite in any way, so I- I'm going to take the shot that he has at least a half a sack in this game. First of all, I don't appreciate you honing into my best bet territory because you know I love those defensive bets with the sacks. I, I love any any bet where one play, you could win money. And I have the whole game to get the one play. To me, like that just leaves me with the warm and fuzzy. So I always love these bets. And the fact that the sack leader only needs a half a sack, kind of love right. that. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't even have to do it all by himself. He yeah. could sort of there could be pressure and then the quarterback could just kind of roll towards him and he kind of touches them. And like, there you go. Like, whatever you still get money. So I like, do you have the odds on that? I don't, they weren't too bad though. Like, so I, cause I'll never pick something that you're not going to win money on. I think it was like minus minus one eighteen something around right. that. So you still will make solid money. So I just full disclosure, there were two sack bets that I looked at in this game. You know, I always check for Bosa Bosa was minus 0.75. So you have to get a full sack for that, but it was minus 160. And to me, I was like, that's too much for, if you don't know, that means in order to win a hundred dollars, you have to bet $160. So there's not enough return there for me on that one. But I did like Javon Hargrave because his number is only minus 0.25 and he's at minus 110. So he only needs a half sack and it's at minus 110. So much better odds for that one. So I would take Javon Hargrave over 0.25 sacks in the game. That was one of my best bets. He's He's been good this year. I don't trust the Vikings offensive line. We know Hargrave can get pressure and he can get pressure quickly and Kirk Cousins can't freaking move. So if Hargrave gets pressure, he's going to get a sack because Kirk can't go anywhere. Yeah, so that's the thing. Kirk can't move. The, the, 
Um, the Vikings actually randomly do have a pretty good pass blocking offensive line this year. It's like the best that Kirk Cousins has had by far since being with the Vikings. I think they're, uh, they have the third highest pass blocking offensive line according to PFF, but still, like you said, Kirk Cousins isn't, isn't running away from anybody. So they they just have to get some pressure on him and it'll be fine. Okay. Best bet number three for you. I'm going with Brandon Ayuk over 65 and a half receiving yards with Debo hurt, with CMC hurt. He should hit this. He's hit it. He's had 75 plus receiving yards in three of five games. He should have had a much bigger game last week as well. Just kept missing on those, but mm-hmm. it's not like the Viking secondary is scary. He should be the main guy in this game and he should hit 66 receiving yards. And if Tebow is out, I know people are going to say, well, he's getting double T. I don't care. Kyle will find a way to get him open. Ayuk is good. I think he had, you know, I think everybody just had a down week. They were not on it. They were not sharp last week. Ayuk has not been the guy that's been, you know, in the past, he's dropped a lot of balls. He's had games like he had last week, but this year he hasn't been that guy. He's been on it. He's been catching almost all of his targets. I think we're going to get back to that on Monday night. I think he'll go over 65 and a half. I think he's going to have, honestly, I don't know what his longest reception is in the game. I think he's going to have like a 30 yarder in the game. Um, and so I, I would smash this over as well. And he, honestly, like if those guys aren't out there, he's going to have to, if they're going to move the ball. Yeah. I was thinking about the George Kittle over or even a touchdown and I think he will hit it and I think he could have a touchdown, but I'm sick of just taking chances on <laughs> Kyle Shanahan using him and who knows? I mean, it's it feels like a, a coin flip at this point, betting on George Kittle. Like, of course, if they're going to plan to use him, he's going to smash it because uh, he's a great player. But then at any given game, he could just completely ghost and never be utilized. So that was another one of my best bets. I have Kittle over 43 and a half yards. Again, it comes down to the fact that Debo is banged up. We've seen Kyle have Debo out there at less than 100% and just sort of be a decoy and not really do anything. So that could be a possibility, too, where Debo plays, but he's just sort of there. Nobody can cover. Like, he's such an advantage at the tight end position. And with Kyle scheming, nobody should be able to cover him. He should be able to get open and get yards. And if he catches the ball, the first dude is not tackling him because the first guy never tackles George Kittle. So use Kittle, use Ayuk, get George the ball. I think he's going to have a big game. I don't know if he'll have like three touchdowns like he did against Dallas because that was a career high. But I think his yardage is going to be up there in this one. Give me Kittle over 43 and a half. I'm rolling the dice. I know, you know, I'm kind of trying to figure out what Kyle's going to do. And that's a scary proposition. But I'll take Kittle over 43 and a half. Yeah, when Brandon Ayuk did miss a few weeks ago, that's the one game George Kittle actually saw targets. He had nine targets. I know he had three touchdowns in the other game, but it was three receptions for three touchdowns. Like, <laughs> So the one game he actually saw targets, it was one when one of the wide receivers missed the game. So if Debo is limited or injured, you would expect then the targets to go to George Kittle. So if I had to make a bet on it, I would definitely take the over uh, on George Kittle, but I just I wasn't brave enough to do it. Well, I'm going to be a little brave also because my last best bet is Brock Purdy over 1.5 touchdown passes. I talked about it earlier. I think he needs to step up. I think he needs to. He's got a little something to prove this week because, you know, he took a, he had to eat a lot of crap because everyone's saying, you know, he's a fraud. He turned back into a pumpkin, all that stuff. One and, bad game. In right. His career. Right. Oh and I agree. 
But that's because people, you know, they always thought that about Brock Purdy, but you couldn't say that because he kept throwing two touchdown passes and he kept winning. So they've just been lying in the weeds waiting to have that take. I know people think that's me with Brock Purdy. It's not. I think there's a difference between saying Brock did not play well and see Brock is Brock stinks. He's a fraud. I've never said that about Brock Purdy. I did say he didn't play well against the Brown, but I think he's going to play well in this one. There's no weather. They're inside. Also, the crowd's going to be about 45% 49er fans, which is nice, you know, because Minnesota can be a tough place to play, but it seems like the faithful are going to have a little bit of a takeover there. So that'll be, that'll help mitigate that. And I think Brock is just going to be just dicing him up getting the ball out of his hands quick, finding Kittle, finding Ayuk. If Debo's out there, maybe finding Debo. I'm going to take Brock over 1.5 touchdown passes. I would love to see that from him because I am sick of people being mean to Brock Purdy. <laughs> He's been fantastic. He's had one. Every quarterback has bad games, even Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen has had plenty of bad games. Like, Quarterbacks have bad games. You're not going to have a hundred plus passer rating in every single game in your career, which is basically what Purdy does over and over and over and over again. He had to go on the road in a tough environment against the best defense in the league right now. That's what it's looking like. And bad, did I say bad weather already? I don't know, but yes. And a coach that owns Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, exactly. So stop it with the Purdy hate. 91649er says Purdy is human. He'll be fine. Jesse Garcia says haters finally got their pleasure of Brock having a bad game. LOL. Enjoy the one bad game. Haters still had a clutch final drive too. That's the thing is nobody would be hating on Brock Purdy right now. If Jake Moody just makes the field goal. And I did want to bring up that Jake Moody point of him missing the field goal. I listened to you and Levin yesterday and 11, 11 again said something I agreed with. I think this is back to back weeks, pretty wild, but like, <laughs> I'm fine with Jake Moody showing emotion. And I don't think that has anything to do with how he will perform moving forward. I don't think that means that he's weak whatsoever. That means he realizes what he did, right? He broke a 15 game winning streak. It was a huge, it's not just a normal loss. It's not like, Oh, this is one of our losses of the year. Like, okay, this happens. A, it's the first loss of his NFL career. A, he knows his team was on a winning streak. And he like he just knows what that meant to everybody and that he let them down. Like, who wouldn't cry? You'd be a, who wouldn't cry? I would be bawling my eyes out. To me, the crying means, yeah, like he feels bad about the loss. He understands, you know, what they lost. That would have been the franchise record for victories if they had won. Think about yeah. that. And he knows he feels bad. He feels like he let the team down. But that doesn't mean he feels like he can't go out there and kick in the future. I think that's the difference. We saw lots of players get upset after games. Foster Moreau for the Saints, the tight end in the game last night. He yeah. drops the game-winning touchdown pass. Derek Carr puts it right in the back of the end zone. There's nobody around him. It's a pass that he probably catches 99 times out of 100. And it just clanked off his hands. He was on the sideline, head in his hands. I couldn't see if he was crying because he had his helmet on, but he sure looked pretty freaking upset to me. So, like, that's a normal human reaction. I feel really bad that happened to Foster Moreau, and I'm, but I'm so happy it happened to Derek Carr. <laughs> yeah, he you're did not, not deserve that win. He did not deserve to throw a game-tying touchdown. He sucked all game long. He was so bad throwing I mean, pick sixes and screaming at his teammates. All he does is just throw short of the sticks on third down every time. Anyway, uh, Cam Inman had a good column in the Mercury News with some quotes from Jake Moody. 
Jake Moody said he was, quote, all right after missing the field goal. And this is something I thought was kind of cool. Moody said, quote, I've had plenty of kickers texting me, calling me, saying I've been there. It happens. That support is what's helping me a little bit. Great kickers I've looked up to growing up. They've been in the situation saying you'll get through it and have a great career. Nobody wants to admit this because the Niners are in the quote unquote Super Bowl window. This is all part of a natural progression for a young player. Guys miss kicks. I know Larry Kruger doesn't like when I say that, but it's true. It doesn't mean he's a terrible kicker. It doesn't mean he can't be a good kicker going forward. Guys miss kicks, especially rookie kickers missing kicks. So I'm not worried about Jake Moody yet. I'm not in the cut Jake Moody if he has one more miss. Like, no, this is no, this is just a natural part of becoming a professional in the NFL. Yeah, 100%. You're never going to find a kicker that doesn't miss a kick. You're going right. to cut someone every time they miss a big kick. Like, you can't do that. You'll never be able to keep a kicker. And obviously, if he keeps missing them moving forward, you can't stick with a guy forever. But this is not the time to even consider moving on from Moody. I agree. Like, this whole Super Bowl window thing has people crazy. And I don't think they realize, like, you potentially could miss out on great players. If your attitude is you can't ever make a mistake, we have to get rid of you because we're trying to win a Super Bowl. Like, no, you drafted these players. You acquired these players because you thought they had something valuable for your team. So like, give them a chance to actually show that. And by the way, what if Jake Moody like comes out and drills the game winner in this game or drills three field yeah. goals? Like now he's back on it. Okay. Your job is safe, Jake. I, I just think that's not what you want him thinking, right? You want him thinking, Come hell or high water, this team supports me so he can focus at everything he needs to focus, all his attention on executing the process of kicking the ball. I don't want him worried about his job out there. Also against PJ Walker, uh, they should have never been in this position where he had to make a game winning. Yeah, that too. Jesse says, I have a solution. Don't let a team hang around. Problem solved. That's also a thing, right? The team needs two touchdowns at the end of the game. You don't need Jake Moody to go out there and kick a field goal. So. I'm I'm in 100% agreement with you on that. I don't like you supporting Levin and giving Levin all these props, though. Let's let's I not. Know, that's that's the last time I'm doing it. Okay, good. Yeah, I can't. Well, I cannot have that. It just doesn't no. sit well with me. That's not how I want to end my week. Yeah, I uh, feel gross. I don't even have a mimosa to like, you know, swallow yeah. the disgust I have in my mouth. Not good. Uh, let's see. Fish and Chips says, been saying it all week. Moody was put in a position that he shouldn't have been in, but of course, he took the spotlight off the head coach. It was always going to be a tough spot for a rookie kicker this year, especially considering number one, where the team was in their development. And number two, the fact that you're replacing Robbie gold, who never missed a playoff kick in his career. That's a hell of a, that's a hell of a guy to have to replace. You want to replace the guy that was awful in clutch spots. So as long as you're just better than him, you're not going to get the heat, but you can't be better than Robbie Gold was in the playoffs, obviously. The thing is, though, he didn't, like, shank it. Like, that, he didn't shank it. It wasn't like, oh, I'm so nervous, I've just shanked this kick. Like, it just slightly missed. Again, ball was probably wet. It's slippery. It's not a great game. Again, that's why I think they should have tried to get a little bit closer because of all the situations. But, like, it was a slight miss. I think he's going to be fine. Let's hope. Let's hope he goes out and drills a bunch of field goals or that he doesn't need to. Like when he had that two game stretch where he didn't kick a single field goal because they were just scoring. That must be the best gig ever. You just watch the game on the sideline, get paid a bunch of money and don't even have to do anything. Yeah. Like, do people realize when kickers quote unquote practice, they're not like they're out there on the sideline. Steph Sanchez was talking about it. Like you kick a couple balls into the net and like, that's it. So imagine going through, that's your week. Then during the game, you kick like three or four extra points. That's your whole week. And you're earning 
a high six figure salary. That's the life. And you can't be hit by the way. Yeah, that is a life. I mean, you want to raise kickers. That's the way to go. You don't have to worry about the injuries Seriously. as much like at all. And they can play soccer. Like they could do other sports. Like, yeah. Raising kick. That's what my sister really wants her boy to be a kicker. Yeah. Like the Cowboys kicker was a soccer player and then realized like, I am not good enough to make it in professional soccer, but I have a leg. I'll try this field goal kicking thing. And he hasn't missed a kick all year. So like, that's the way to go. And Oh, by the way, you could play till you're like 45 years old. So yeah. you keep getting that salary for a damn long time. So that is definitely the sweet life. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the show today. We are so, so thankful for everybody watching. Please rate review and follow the gold standard podcast network. If you want to help the show, please leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple pods. It helps us move up the charts. That makes it easier for people who don't know about us to find us. And that is the biggest challenge that we face as a podcast. Thank you to everybody. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. If you want to become a YouTube channel member, it's less than $3 a month. It's a great way to support the channel. And if you want more Michelle in your life, let me tell you, there are plenty of avenues to go find it. You can read her column on NFL.com, which is the column up right now. Yes, okay. it is. It's oh, the wow. buy, uh, buy low, sell high. So there you go. You can go to NFL.com, read that column now, yep. listen to the Ball Blast Football Podcast, listen to the Lockdown Fantasy Podcast, which comes out every single day. You will get more Michelle in your life, and you should. You will be better off if you do. Have a good Friday, everybody. Make sure you join us after the game for the Instant Reaction Podcast. That'll be me and Levin on Monday night. And before that, like I said, I interviewed Paul Allen, radio voice of the Vikings. That's going to drop at midnight tonight slash Saturday morning, however you look at it. Uh, that'll be on pods and on YouTube. Uh, please, please check it out because he's one of the best in the absolute business. Michelle, have a fantastic Friday and a fantastic weekend. Yeah, you too. Bye, y'all. This has been a Gold Standard Podcast Network production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.